today on In Spirit and Truth with Pastor J.D. Farag. Please, take this one word, love, and from that, view everything we're about to see through that lens. The lens of love. It all comes down to this one word, love. If I'm truly born again, I am truly in Christ, and He's in me, it will be evidenced by my love. You're listening to In Spirit and Truth, the radio ministry of Pastor J.D. Farag of Calvary Chapel, Kaneohe. Pastor J.D. is currently teaching through the book of 2 Corinthians. Love, a simple yet powerful word, a word by which, as Pastor J.D. explains, we can gauge whether we're born again. The love we show to others is a direct reflection of our relationship with Jesus. When others see our lives and the fruit of our lives, do they see Jesus living inside and through us? Let us constantly examine the love that is demonstrated in our lives to others. Now, be sure to stay with us after today's message to hear how you can get your own copy of this broadcast. Subscribe to the In Spirit and Truth podcast or download the In Spirit and Truth iPhone or Android mobile app. Now, here's Pastor J.D. with today's edition of In Spirit and Truth. With that, let's get started. 2 Corinthians chapter 13, the last chapter in this epistle. And our text today will be verses 4 through 6. The Apostle Paul is writing very passionately. Uh, I suppose you could say also very emotionally, <laughs> very candidly, very bluntly to these uh, Corinthians and says, verse 4, For to be sure, he, speaking of Jesus, was crucified in weakness, yet he lives by God's power. Likewise, we are weak in him, yet by God's power we will live with him in our dealing with you. Examine yourselves, verse 5, to see whether you are In the faith, test yourselves. Do you not realize that Christ Jesus is in you? Unless, of course, you fail the test. And verse 6, I trust that you will discover that we have not failed the test. So today's teaching is going to be part two of a series I titled what true love is and does. The Apostle Paul, in advance of what will now be his third visit to the Corinthian church, is warning them about the purpose of this trip. And he's very specific in telling them how he will come and perhaps more importantly, what he will do when he comes in his dealing with these Corinthians. As we just read, and as we're about to see, Paul, true to form, doesn't pull any punches. If you're anything like me, and I suspect that you are, you've come to appreciate this about the Apostle Paul. But true to form, the tone he takes is both harsh and blunt, and rightfully so. He has to. He needs to. Now, some may have a problem with 
Paul's posture towards the Corinthians such that they could get the wrong impression and see him as being angry with them when in fact he does this because of his love for them. It might be too simple, but everything that we're going to see here today in our text comes down to one word. And that one word is the word love. Love. If Paul didn't have this love for them, he wouldn't bother writing to them. And certainly he would not take the time and travel in those days was very difficult. He certainly would not have taken the time to plan this third visit with them. It's for this reason that Paul says what he says, and it's also for this reason that Paul says what he says the way he says it. One of the things I'm learning in my walk with the Lord is, especially as a pastor-teacher, is that oftentimes it's not so much what we say, it's how we say what we say. I think of what the Apostle Paul wrote about having all of our words seasoned with grace. I think about his letter to the church in at the churches in the area of Galatia and how he in chapter 6 said, you need to restore that one gently, lovingly. Be very gracious in rebuking someone or confronting someone when they are in sin. So I see this as the Apostle Paul rising from the pages of our Bibles as an example to us of what this kind of love actually looks like. Simply put, Paul loves them enough to speak this to them. In love, because of love, it's the truth in love. We found our first one in verses 1 through 3, and it's that true love. If I truly love, I will speak the truth to others. Here, Paul, in love, and again, because of love, very bluntly tells them that when he comes, he's going to deal very severely with them, so much so that he will not spare those who sinned earlier. This ties into our second one, and it's what we're going to look at today. In addition to speaking the truth to others, true love is honest with others. In verse 4, Paul says of Jesus that just as he was crucified in weakness, yet lives by God's power, so too Paul, when he comes, will likewise deal with them in that power, in the strength of that, and in the power of the Holy Spirit. See, you have to understand that there were those in Corinth that were accusing Paul of being weak. And certainly Paul would boast in his weakness because when he, like us, are weak, then we're strong in him. Weak in ourselves, strong 
in the Lord. And so he's going to deal very strongly and very powerfully in that power with them. In verse 5, he says to them to examine themselves. And this is really interesting to me, and I want us to really take the time on this particularly. But he tells them to examine themselves, to test themselves, to see whether or not they're really in the faith or not. The implication being that they were certainly acting like they weren't really, truly Christians. And so, rightly, he's questioning it in as much as he's saying, you need to question yourselves. You need to examine yourselves. You need to test yourselves and see if you're going to fail that test, because if you fail that test, then that means that Christ is not in you. And if Christ is not in you, then neither are you in Christ. You're certainly not acting like it. In verse 6, goes on to say that he trusts they will discover that he himself, speaking of his own <laughs> test of his own life, He's not failed that test. He's in Christ. It's as if the Apostle Paul is saying to them, I'm in Christ. I've passed the test. Have you? Have you? Wow. If this sounds like Paul has the audacity to question whether or not some there in the Corinthian church were even saved, that's because... Paul has the audacity to question whether or not some there in the Corinthian church were actually saved. Not trying to sound cute or coy. This actually is a good question that needs to be asked. And this answers an often asked question concerning the examining of oneself as to whether or not I am truly a Christian, born again of the Spirit of God. Let me say it this way. There is absolutely nothing wrong with asking myself the question of, am I a truly born again Christian? That's actually the test. And there's an answer to this test. And thankfully, today's text answers that, and even another often asked question of how we can know for a certainty that we or someone else is truly born again. A number of years ago, I actually had somebody ask me this, and I found myself kind of scrambling a little bit to try to answer the question of how do you know if you're really born again? How do you know if you're really born again? And in my way of thinking, and this is just kind of how my mind is wired, and I know they probably have clinical terms for how my mind is wired, but I just went to the very simplicity of the comparison of being born spiritually to being born physically. And I'll explain what I mean by that. There's no doubt 
I mean, you know when a baby has been born physically, right? Especially mommy <laughs> knows, because that baby that has been born craves mother's milk. And as that baby begins to grow and grow teeth, then that baby goes from being a baby to a toddler, and they start chewing on meat and solids. And then that toddler grows into a child of God that grows into, hopefully, a man or woman of God, maturing in Christ and growing in grace. And that's how you'll know. I mean, that might be an oversimplification, but that's how you know when someone is born again. Now, what about where Paul refers to this test? Is there really a test that we can give ourselves and use to examine ourselves to see whether or not we are truly in the faith? Well, Alan Ridpath explained it this way. To examine yourself, in fact, is to submit to the examination and scrutiny of Jesus Christ the Lord. And this never to fix attention on sin, but on Christ, and to ask him to reveal that in you which grieves his spirit, which, if you're born again, is indwelling you. To ask him to give you grace that it might be put away and cleansed in his precious blood. Self-examination, I love this, takes the chill away from your soul. It takes the hardness away from your heart. It takes the shadows away from your life. It sets the prisoner free. I suppose the question becomes, okay, what is the test? And how can we know for a certainty that we are truly born again of the Spirit of God. Last week we took a tour through Scripture, and this week I want to take us on another tour through Scripture. And this time is to answer this question, and I want to start with what Jesus said concerning one being born again. John's Gospel, chapter 3, verse 3. Jesus said to him, speaking of Nicodemus, Most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Okay, and of course Nicodemus goes on to question the Savior concerning how can one be born again? You can't go back into your mother's womb. Of course, speaking of the physical birth and Jesus answers and says, no, this is a spiritual birth. You're born again spiritually. Paul writing to the Corinthians in this second epistle back in chapter 5, verse 17, says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. I like that better than some of the other translations that render it a new creature. I don't want to be a creature. <laughs> I want to be a new creation. Regeneration. I'm a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Your desires are new. You no longer desire the things of old. 
You now are a new creation and you have new desires and you desire the things of God. You desire and crave the word of God. First John chapter 5, by the way, we're going to be in First John back and forth. You might want to, I would certainly encourage you to turn to First John. Really the entire epistle is just fabulous. But the Apostle John in chapter 5 of his first epistle, verse 12, says, He who has the Son has life. He who does not have the Son of God does not have life. These things I have written to you who believe in the name of the Son of God that, and this is key, please listen, that you may know, know, that you have eternal life. I like to call this life assurance. You have the assurance, the blessed assurance. You can know that you have eternal life and that you may continue to believe in the name of the Son of God. In chapter 3 of 1 John, verses 14 and 15, We know that we have passed from death to life. We do? Yeah. How? Watch this. Because we love, love the brethren. He who does not love his brother abides in death. Whoever hates his brother is a murderer. And you know that no murderer has eternal life abiding in him. Please, take this one word, love, and from that view everything we're about to see through that lens. The lens of love. It all comes down to This one word, love. If I'm truly born again, I am truly in Christ, and he's in me, it will be evidenced by my love. By my love. And that's what we're going to see through this lens of love. 1 John 5, verse 1. Whoever believes that Jesus is the Christ, is born of God. Okay. And everyone, and here it is, who loves him, who begot also loves him, who is begotten of him. What? In other words, if I'm born again, I am going to love God and the begotten of God. Interesting, right? Is that not John 3.16? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever would believe in him would not perish, but have everlasting life. Come on, pastor. This is a firm grasp of the obvious. Is it? Is it? Perhaps you, like me, 
would allow the Holy Spirit unfettered access to the deep recess of your heart, that he might search your heart, search our hearts, to see if there be anything at all that would keep us from knowing him and loving him. And then allow him to put his finger on it, identify it, and then remove it. That which has taken up residence in your life that has no business being there. John goes on to say, by this we know that we love the children of God when we love God and keep his commandments. For this is the love of God that we keep his commandments. Don't get weird on this. We're going to come back to what he's saying here. He says, and his commandments are not burdensome. For whatever is born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. Who is he who overcomes the world? But he who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. Hang on. First John chapter 4, verse 7. Beloved, let us love one another. For love is of God. And everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. He who does not love does not know God. For God is love. Let me say it this way before we go on to verse 9. There's an inseparable connection between knowing God and loving God. Knowing God and loving God. In this, the love of God was manifested toward us that God has sent his only begotten son into the world that we might live through him. In this is love. Not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. And then he says it again in verse 11. Beloved, this is John, the apostle of love. If God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. That's all we have time for today on In Spirit and Truth. If you'd like to listen to today's message, head to InSpiritAndTruthRadio.com and click on the Listen tab. You'll also have access to a number of other teachings by Pastor J.D., as well as his weekly Aloha Prophecy Updates. You can download our mobile app to take these teachings with you wherever you go. Learn more about In Spirit and Truth and Pastor J.D. at our website and also on Twitter. We'd love to have you join the conversation there. We'd also love to meet you in person as well and would like to invite you to join us for our weekly services here at Calvary Chapel Kaneohe. 
We gather each Sunday at 8.30 and 10.45 a.m. and also on Thursdays at 7 p.m. And you'll find more information at InSpiritAndTruthRadio.com. Just click on Calvary Chapel Kaneohe at the bottom of the page. Before we end today, Pastor J.D. has an encouraging word to share with you. It is such a blessing for me personally to be able to share God's Word with you on each edition of our In Spirit and Truth radio broadcast. Also, I'm so very thankful that you've tuned in to listen. The book of 2 Corinthians provides us a much-needed reminder of how divine power is realized in our human weakness. Sadly, though, this is not a popular topic today because, as one so aptly said it, the gospel does not ride on health and wealth, but on weakness. The ministry of the Spirit is not one of splash and flash, but of meekness and weakness. It's for this reason that 2 Corinthians has become one of my favorite books in the Bible. Not only does it provide us with the key to living victorious Christian lives, it also provides us practical application concerning how we treat other believers in our lives. It's my hope and prayer that you will be as encouraged and blessed by this book as I was. Thank you for listening, and I hope you'll tune in again for another edition of In Spirit and Truth Radio. 